in your Bibles this evening, Mark chapter number 2. And once again, it is a blessing to be with you. It's been our honor and our privilege for sure. And I appreciate um, Preacher being willing to schedule us on Father's Day. And uh, he scheduled us purposefully because he knew that it would be a difficult day to get scheduled. And I appreciate, I appreciate that. I really, really do. And uh, so anyway, we're going to be at Mark chapter number 2. This is not a Father's Day message, all right? Uh, but it is a missions message, and I think it'll be a blessing to you. We're going to start in verse number 1 here. The Bible says, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Verse number 5, When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your goodness to us, your grace, your mercy that you bestow upon us every day. Lord, I pray that you'd work in hearts this morning, God, I pray, or this evening. God, I pray that you would fill both speaker and listener with your power, with your spirit. God, that what is said would bring you honor and glory, would magnify you, and Lord, would change hearts. Lord, that we would uh, walk, for, walk out of this place changed, and we would apply your word to our lives. And we'll love you and thank you for it. Thank you for your love for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Very familiar passage of Scripture uh, here in Mark chapter number 2. Uh, I knew it. I grew up knowing it uh, in Sunday school. And uh, so we see the Bible says here in verse number one, the Bible says, and again he entered. Uh, Christ had been to this city before. He was well known in this city. If you go to Mark chapter number one and verse 21 is the account of it. And it says, and they went into Capernaum and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. Uh, the Bible says that they were astonished at his doctrine. He was well known for his teaching. He was well known for his doctrine. Uh, the Bible says that he taught them as one that had authority. And church, he had authority. And he should still have authority in each and every one of our lives. He should be the Lord of our lives and should have free reign. But he was also well known, if you continue to read through Mark chapter number 1, about uh, he was well known with with the miracles that he had performed in the city. So it didn't take long at all for people to begin to, to talk amongst themselves. And say, hey, Christ is coming back into the city. He's, he's coming into the house. It says, and after some days it was noise that he was in the house. The Bible says, and straightway, almost immediately, many were gathered together. This house, I don't know how big this house was, but this house began to be filled up, began to be packed out. The Bible says that there is no room to receive them. You couldn't put another person in there. It was that full. And he preached the word unto them. Then the Bible introduces us to this one man that's sick. He's sick of the palsy, and he comes in, and, or he's, he's brought in by these four men. And they couldn't get in because the place was so full. It was packed. So because they couldn't get in, they went up on the roof, and they tore apart the roof and let him down right in front of Christ. And as a result, this man was healed. Very familiar story, very simple story. But I think we can pull some truths out of it. The first thing I want you to notice here is in verse number 3. It says, and they come unto him bringing how many? One. Bringing just one. Church, if we're going to win the world to Christ, which is what God has commanded us to do, it's going to happen one at a time. Just one at a time. 
If we focus on our city, I, I don't know how, what the population is of this city. I don't even know how to say this city's name, okay? <laughs> Not from here. I don't know what the population is, but if we focus on the city, it might be overwhelming. If I focus on the city of Yakutsk, it's going to be overwhelming. 300,000 people be the only missionary. It's quite a bit overwhelming. Man, even if we go to our state, our country, it's overwhelming. But we can focus on that one, that one that God has in our path, the one that God brings into our lives maybe each day. Maybe it's a coworker you have that you just work with constantly, but you know that he has a need and he, he's, he's lost. Maybe it's a family member that God has in your, just burdened on your heart that, hey, I've got to reach my family member for Christ. Maybe it's just that one. Maybe it's a one friend that you have. I don't know what the one is in your life, but hey, if we focus on getting that one and bringing that one to Christ, then we can focus on another one and bring another one and then focus on another one. It's just going to happen one at a time. Man, what if we all brought one in? Just one in next week. Double our attendance. This place would begin to be packed by just bringing one. Just one. We can focus on one. The next thing I want you to notice is who brought them. It says, And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. We don't know, don't know much about these four men. According here, we know that there's four of them. According to Luke's account, we know that they're men. Other than that, we don't know who these four men were. We don't know what type of uh, relationship these four men had with this man that was sick. We don't know what that entails. Maybe they were friends. Maybe they were family members who grew up and they knew their brother's condition that, hey, our brother's sick, he's lying on a bed, he can't, he can't move. Maybe they were just concerned citizens as they walked by him day in and day out, they saw him on his bed. He was obviously, he had an obvious condition. He, he needed help. He was sick. We don't know what the relationship is, but I think God does that on purpose. Because quite frankly, I don't think it matters. Church, it doesn't matter what our relationship is between us and somebody in the grocery store. It doesn't matter what our relationship is between us and somebody walking down the street. It doesn't matter what our relationship is between us and maybe someone living in a tent. It doesn't matter what that relationship entails. What matters is, church, is do we see the need? These four men, they saw a need. He was, he, it was obvious. It was physical. Then he was lying in a bed. He was hopeless. He was helpless. They saw a need. But how much so should it be for a Christian that walks by a lost person and, and they see a need, maybe not physical, but spiritual? Hey, this man or, or this lady needs Christ. Man, we've got to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to give them a gospel track. We've got to get, get them the gospel somehow, some way. When was the last time we saw a need? When was the last time we saw people clearly? as never-dying souls that's going to spend eternity somewhere, whether in heaven or whether in hell. We're in Mark. Turn over to Mark chapter number 8. Mark chapter number 8 and verse number 22, and it says, And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, unto Christ, that's who it's talking about, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. 
as I read through this passage, oftentimes I kind of find it a little comical. It's almost, almost like Christ tried to heal him, and it just wasn't quite right. Almost, almost like God made a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. Did that on purpose. I come, I come from Missouri. I grew up in Missouri, the Midwest. There's a lot of trees in the Midwest. There's a lot of trees up here. There's a lot of tall trees up here. <laughs> Driving by every day, I see trees. You know what I think about trees? Nothing. Trees don't have any significance or value to me. I'm not one that runs a sawmill. I don't pick out trees. and they just, they just don't have value. I don't think about them. But I wonder if that's how we see people sometimes. We see people day in, day out. We see strangers day in, day out. People that we don't know. Do we just walk by them and, man, they're just like trees. No significance, no value. But then he put his, eye, put his hands upon his eyes again. And the Bible says he was restored and saw every man clearly. Maybe that's what we as Christians need, is we need Christ to heal our sight. To, to be restored and to see every man clearly. Every man is a never-dying soul that's going to spend eternity in a devil's hell if we don't do something about it. Christ paid the price. He shed his blood. He did his part. It's time for us to do ours. And I'll get to that in a little bit. These men, they saw a need. Aren't you glad someone saw a need in you? to give you the gospel, to reach you with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm glad somebody saw a need in my grandfather, my dad's dad. He's in heaven now, praise the Lord. He needed a construction worker to come over to his house to work on a project. And this construction worker came by and my grandfather thought, hey, construction workers are big, bad, and tough and cuss a lot. And so... He came by and he, he thought up this plan that he was just going to cuss them out. And that's exactly what my granddaddy did. This construction worker came to the house and my granddaddy just cussed him out. That construction worker looked my granddaddy in the face and said, you're going to give an account to God one day for every single one of those words you just said. Through that, my, that construction was able to witness to my grandfather. My grandfather got saved. That construction worker could have said, hey, it's just another client. It's just another customer. Man, this is what I deal with day in and day out. Just brush it off. Water off a duck's back. Just leave it alone. Had he done that, I wouldn't be standing here. He saw a need of my grandfather. Hey, he needs Christ. One of my college professors said there's no bad people, just broken people. Just broken people. Man, do we see a need? I doubt that man, that construction worker, thought, hey, if I, if I lead this man to Christ, his grandson's going to be a missionary to Russia. I don't think he thought that. Point of the matter is, church, we have no clue what the future holds for anybody that we come into contact with. We don't know what, what the future holds for their grandchildren. We don't know who they could be. 
Maybe their grandchildren, maybe someone that you, you come in contact with, their grandson or their granddaughter, is someone that's going to influence a revival that sparks through America. And we pass it on. Now oh, somebody else will get them. We got to see a need. We got to see people as they truly are, as a never dying soul. As a missionary, we go through drive throughs quite a bit. Did you know that there's a person in every drive through window? Now, whether or not they talk to you is another thing. But that's an opportunity to give a gospel track. And I'm, a, I'm ashamed to say, man, how many opportunities have I missed? Maybe that's their last chance. They saw a need. When was the last time we saw a need? When was the last time we saw people clearly? When was the last time we had the eyes of Christ and were moved with compassion towards people? These four men, they saw a need. Not only did they see a need, as Lamentation says in Lamentations 3, 3.51, they let their eye affect their heart. And as a result, they became burdened for the need. Man, they were ate up. Hey, we've got to get this man to Christ. No matter what it takes, no matter what we've got to do, we've got to get him to Christ. Hey, he's got this need. He's on this bed. I don't know. Like I mentioned before, we don't know what relationship it was. But hey, they saw a need and they said, hey, we've got to do something. They were burdened. They were ate up. Hey, how long has it been since we've been burdened for a need? How long has it been since we've let something just eat us up to say, hey, we've got to get our neighbor to Christ. Hey, we've got to get our family member to Christ. Hey, we've got to get our friend or our coworker to Christ. We've got to get them the gospel. When was the last time we were ate up with a burden that brought tears to our eyes? The Bible says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. When was the last time we wept hot tears over a lost soul? Over something eternal, not over something temporal. The Sterlings, ever since they moved outside, had a neighbor lady. Her name was Babavara. And uh, just a sweet, sweet Russian grandma. And sweet as can be, my wife and I went over there in 2018. We met her, fell in love with her. Sweet, sweet lady, but lost. And the Sterlings had been working on her and working on her working on her, giving her the gospel every time they could. And the Sterlings have a couple of goats to milk. They use it for a outreach opportunity to get get their foot in the door for people. They give it away in their community. And uh, so they'd give Babavara goat milk every time groceries would come in. They, uh, her and uh, Mrs. Sterling and, and her daughter would go over and help put groceries away, make sure she'd have everything that she needs. Their boys would go over and help stock her stove with coal, make sure she'd stay warm in the winter. Just being good neighbors, trying to help her out wherever they could, praying for her, witnessing to her. In June of last year, the Sterlings were able to come back on a short furlough. And two days before they were able to come back, they went over to Babavar's house to make sure she'd have everything that she needed. And uh, so they went over there and made sure she, she had everything. And Mrs. Sterling gave Brother Sterling a look, and Brother Sterling knew, hey, we're going to be here for a while. She's going to be able to give her the gospel again. And after a couple hours of Mrs. Sterling witnessing to her, Babavar sweetly got saved. Amen. Church, that took 14 years. 14 years of working at her, 
14 years of being a good neighbor. 14 years of keeping a good Christian testimony. I guarantee you, the Sterlings wept tears over her soul. And I can only imagine what happened in that house when she asked Christ to be her Savior. Man, how exciting. But when was the last time that was us? That, hey, man, we got a burden for somebody. We've got to reach them with the gospel. There might be some of you here that has family members that you've been working on for that long or longer. Don't give up. It's worth it. Keep at it. Keep praying. Keep witnessing. They had a burden. Because they had a burden, look at verse number four. They were determined. It says, And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Look at it and think, just think about it. They couldn't come in. Maybe they, maybe they tried to get in. Maybe they tried to get in the front door and, hey, we just, we can't. There's too many people. Maybe they tried to go around to the back door and they just, man, they couldn't get in, in here either. Maybe there were some windows that they tried. We got to get them to Christ. They had a burden. They weren't going to give up. They could have, but they didn't. So what do they do? They go up on the roof. It says, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Think about that. It says, when they broke, when they broke it up, it wasn't, it wasn't some thatch roof where you, know, you could just tear it apart pretty easy. According to Luke's account, they said it was tiling. They broke apart the tiling. If you remember over there, their, their, their roofs were, were a part of their yard. You're talking stone slabs. Something that took a lot of work. Imagine how much work it would take to tear apart this roof to bring a man down. And over there, they broke it up. I don't know what they used. I don't know what kind of tools they had. But they were willing to say, hey, no matter what, no matter how long we've got to work at it, no matter what we've got to do, no matter how unnormal it may seem, we are going to get this man to Christ. We are going to get him in. They tore apart a roof. Maybe you've been out soul winning and and you see someone get saved, I mean, you, you're, you're able to witness to them, and it takes about 15 minutes to go through the gospel, and man, you, you see them get saved. Man, what a blessing. If you put them in that store, you took them right in through the front door, right, right straight to Christ. You know what the Sterlings were doing for 14 years? They were tearing apart a roof. They were tearing apart a roof of the Russian Orthodox Church of, of why this isn't biblical, why that isn't biblical, and why infant baptism isn't biblical. They were tearing apart a roof. When was the last time we were that determined to say, hey, no matter what we've got to do, no matter how long we've got to work at it, no matter what, how unnormal it may seem, we are going to get this person, whether friend, family member, coworker, you name it, whoever it is, we've, we've got to get them to Christ. No matter what we've got to do, because we're burdened, because we're determined, we're not going to stop at anything. We're not going to give up. We're going to be determined. 
Maybe they were determined because they thought to themselves, this might be our last opportunity. Christ might not come back into the town again. This might be the last time he's here. This might be our only chance to get this man healed. What if we had that outlook on people that we come into contact with? This might be our last opportunity to give a gospel track. This might be our last opportunity to try to witness to them. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Christ may come tomorrow. He might come tonight. We don't know. Might be our only opportunity to reach someone with the gospel. They saw a need. They became burdened for the need. They were determined. Lastly, and I'll be done. Why? Look at verse number 5. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, they had faith. But look at it real close. It says, when Jesus saw their faith. It wasn't just the sick of the palsy's faith. I believe it was all five of those men. Sick of the palsy had to have faith to let the four men carry him to Christ. The four men had to have faith to say, hey, if we do our part, if we can get him there, Christ will heal him. And church, it's the same thing. Same thing today. We've got to have faith to say, hey, if we do our part, God will do his. But in order for God to do his, we have to do our part. We've got to reach him. We've got to be the ones to get out and put the legwork in. Go soul winning and reach these people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can't happen any other way. They had faith. They had faith that could be seen. How visible is our faith? Can people look at you and say, they got something different? There's something different. They're always happy. Even through the midst of a pandemic, man, they're always happy. They got something different. Can people see your faith? Simple illustration, I'll be done. Even this morning, as we walked by, how many of you saw my little boy? Didn't he look sharp? His mama does a great job. Everybody else sees that too. Where are y'all going? Y'all going to a wedding? We had that. No, we're going to church. We get to spend the the day with our heavenly father, not just with our earthly father. Actually, I wasn't able to spend the day with my earthly father. But we get to spend the day with our heavenly father. What an opportunity. An opportunity to share the gospel. Visible faith. Faith that can be seen. How's your faith? Do you have the faith that says, hey, if I do my part, God will do his, but I've just got to be faithful in getting the gospel out. I've got to see people clearly because church, that's where it starts. We're never going to be determined to reach people with the gospel if we don't see a need. We're never going to be burdened if we don't see a need. We've got to see the need. We've got to see people clearly as never-dying souls that's going to spend eternity somewhere, whether heaven or hell. We have the ability to make the difference. This might be our only chance 
This might be our last chance. We've got to reach people with the gospel. Heavenly Father.